As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects a man. Lord, we come to your word today. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your word never changes. Lord, it's our foundation. Lord, it's truth. And even in the culture and the times that we live, where it seems like in so many ways we're losing ground, and yet, Lord, our, our feet are rooted in your word this morning. And Lord, we come to you today, and we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. And ultimately, Jesus, you are our hope. Lord, our hope is not rooted in our government. Washington, D.C. isn't the hope of the world, Jesus. You are. And Lord, we need you more than ever before. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today on the subject of the heart from the book of Proverbs. And that, Lord, we would leave this place being challenged, equipped, and encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Every week on, on Mondays, I take kind of a day to rest and to relax. And so last Monday, we took the opportunity with some friends uh, of the church here to go to uh, the lake and, and took some time to go boating and uh, just to build some great memories together. And unlike the 4th of July weekend, the water was very calm. The, the lake was virtually empty. You kind of felt like you had the whole place to yourself. So we pulled the tube a bit. We ate lunch and so forth. And at one point, we... We kind of parked the boat or docked the boat, kind of anchored it. I'm not a sailor or whatever, but they did. <laughs> Off into the cove area, and we went into the water, and we swam with our kids as they wore their life jackets. But the water was virtually still. You know, if I were to stand at the bow of the boat and to look down into the water, the reflection that I would see would be me. wouldn't be my wife. I wouldn't see the reflection of some friends, but it would be an accurate picture of who I am. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 19, that as water reflects a man's face, so the heart reflects the man. And we see this subject so much in the book of Proverbs, 77 times We see the heart referenced over 900 times in the pages of Scripture is the subject of the heart addressed. Physically speaking, we know that the heart is the central organ to our our physical bodies. There's so much health education that's out now today on health, you know, preventative things that you can do related to the heart and so forth. Reader's Digest kind of had an amusing analysis because there's just so much heart advice out there. They said... Uh, talking about the dieting trends in in different cultures. They said in Japan they eat less fat, so they suffer fewer heart problems than the Americans and the British, which that makes sense. They said that the French eat a whole lot of fat, so they suffer fewer heart attacks than the U.S. and Britain. The Italians drink a lot of red wine, so they have a, a lower risk of heart problems than their Western neighbors. And so they basically came to the conclusion, they said, you can eat and drink what you want, but at the end of the day, if you speak English, you're going to (laughs) die. And the heart is, is fascinating. It's the size of our two hands clasped together, valves the size of half dollars that pump one and a half gallons of blood each and every minute. They say that the first heart cell begins beating as early as four weeks 
And eventually, the human heart is beating 100,000 times every day, working in perfect coordination, pumping blood from the right into the lungs and then from the left into the, into the body. The heart is fascinating physically. But much more than it being kind of the central organ of our human bodies, morally, it's the seat of the affections, the center of moral consciousness. The heart is basically, in essence, who you and I really are. The, the word that's used, the, the, the lave in the original language, means the seat of feelings and affections. It means that it's more than just our emotions, but it's our mind and our will. I'm sure all of us at times have heard someone say, let's get to the heart of the matter, or where is your heart in, in the issue? Because it's much more than a, a physical organ. It's fundamental to who you and I are as a child of God, the relationship that we have. And the Bible says in Scripture that the heart has the ability to be grieved. The heart has the ability to be troubled, to be pierced, to be broken. That the human heart has the ability to be divided and to be joyful. And yet as you read through the book of Proverbs, the heart is connected to a number of things. Understanding, learning, memory, faith, obedience, rebellion, lust, deceit, foolishness, anxiety, hope, joy, hurt, peace, grief, wisdom, happiness, discernment. It says that it's connected to rage, sadness, evil, sin, joy, hardness towards God. And as I was thinking about the heart, it's basically if you, if you have kind of the junk drawer at your house... Ours is in the kitchen area. Many of you have a junk drawer in, in, your, in your bedroom or in the basement. It's not just the place that you put trash, but it's essentially the, the place where you just put anything. You know, if you find a cell phone at the end of the day, you don't know exactly where the charger is, you put it in the drawer. Find some loose money, you put it in the drawer. You find some odds and ends or buttons and so forth. It just kind of all goes into the kind of catch-all drawer of our house. The heart is very similar. Dr. Charles Ryer says that it's at the very core of life, it's the truest expression of, of who we really are. Which makes sense because the Bible says that, that God you know, doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he looks straight for the heart because our mind is connected to our heart. Our reasoning, our thought life is connected to the heart. Our emotions, the conduct of our lives, the speech, love, hatred, all of those things, they flow from the heart. And it's a tough concept to grasp, not with our mind. I think we can connect it in our mind, but to get in our spirit the reality of, you know, many times we look from the outside in, we, based on our five senses, and everything in our culture is kind of designed outside working in. But the reality is it's far different when it comes to Jesus, that the principle is that Jesus always works on the heart and then outward. That Jesus is constantly addressing issues concerned with people's heart in the book of Mark chapter 7 where he's talking to the religious leaders of the day about things that are clean and unclean. He says, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you, but it's what comes out of your heart. Later on, Jesus is, is talking to the same bunch of people about the rules and regulations. They're always trying to get everything right, trying to get everything in order, trying to piece it all together. And Jesus stands up in front of them and he calls them hypocrites. He says, you're so careful on cleaning the outside of the dish or the bowl that it represents your life. But he says that inside it's filthy. It's full of greed and self-indulgence. 
Jesus stands up at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He says what? Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they will see God. And I reference those three passages of Scripture because when we approach this subject in Proverbs, it's much more than just simple wisdom passed on from a father to a son. It's much more than just the wise you know, thoughts from, from Solomon, but it's, but it's really the heart of Jesus that deeply is concerned with the condition of our heart. And he says, as water reflects a man's face, if I were to stand at the bow of your, of your life, your heart is an accurate reflection of who you and I really are. Oswald Chambers has this interesting, interesting thought. He says, the Bible term heart is best understood if we simply say me. It's the center of man's personality. The heart is the altar of which the physical body is the outer court. And whatever is offered on the altar of the heart will ultimately tell through the extremities of the body. Proverbs goes on in chapter 20 verse 9 says, Who can say that I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. Not one of us. Because the reality is that when you begin in the book of Genesis, you see that because of the results of of one man's sin, that sin enters the world. In Romans chapter 5 said, as a result, the whole world is born into a sin nature. You and I are born as sinners. It's interesting, the first word many children learn is what? No. Or mine. It's definitely not share. What's the first word? Yours. No. But the reality is that when you accept Jesus and what he's done on on our behalf, the Bible says that he gives you a new heart, that he gives you a new nature. The wonderful reality is that when you come to Christ, you are made brand new. We see this in Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 36, verse 25. He says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and make you clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities, from your idols. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. And then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors And you will be my people, and I will be your God. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament, 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, new has come. And so being born again, being a child of God, has very little initially to do with, with our behavior and has absolutely everything to do with the heart because God works from the heart out. And I've heard people over the years that are Christians, they, they describe themselves, they say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, it's my nature, it's just kind of who I am. And, and so many times I say, no, that's not who you are. That's who you were before Christ, but now you have a new heart, you have a new nature. The Holy Spirit has now restored your relationship with God. He's equipped you and he's empowered you by his spirit so that you can do, like he says, to strive to be holy as I am holy. None of us can do that on our own strength. But that we don't live based on our our own strength. We have 
a new heart in Christ. And look at what the Bible says related to the subject of Proverbs. I really want to hone in on this topic of guarding our hearts. So please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Other translations say watch over. It says to guard or to protect or watch over your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Before we get to the word guard, the question that immediately surfaces is, whose job description does the responsibility fall under to guard and to protect my heart? It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's not a spouse's responsibility. It's not even necessarily Jesus' responsibility. It's not a church's or a pastor's responsibility. The Bible says that you and I are to guard our heart. And it's not even a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not like, here's a thought for you. Maybe every once in a while you should check your heart. No, it's a task and it's a responsibility that's given to you and I. If I were to leave church this morning and forget something and I were to... Say to our four kids, as me and Ashley are out there, I say, Alara, real quick, watch over and guard the other kids. I got to run inside and grab my computer or whatever. And I walk away, I come into the building, and I, I do, you know, whatever I need to do, collect whatever I need to collect, and I leave, and I come out. How many of you know there's consequences if Alara doesn't treat that command or that responsibility seriously? If she sees it as a suggestion or she sees it as just kind of maybe something to consider, there are consequences not only as a father to a daughter, but there's deep consequences for the reality that the other three kids are outside in a parking lot with moving vehicles. I have commanded her. I have said to Alara, guard your siblings. It's her responsibility. She's not going to pass it off on Pastor Ella because I didn't ask Pastor Ella. I asked Alara to guard and protect the other children. Well, Jared is technically working with the kids on this Sunday, and she's in that area of the building. It's her. No, no. I didn't talk to Jareda. I said that you're to watch over the siblings. And the same thing is true about the subject of our heart, that this isn't something you do occasionally, but this is basically going to consume the vast majority of your time and attention, as our role is to watch over and to guard our heart, because the Bible says that God wants an undivided heart after him. Well, why would he command us to do this? Why would he say, Zach, it's your responsibility to watch over this? Well, I think, first of all, you've got to look at the value of the heart. You've got to look at the value of the heart. Think about all of the things in our lives that we guard and that we watch over. So many of you, you've got a smartphone and you either got a four-digit passcode or you've got this little thing that you draw on there so that you can unlock your phone, unlock your iPad, unlock your computer. You've got a PIN number for every card that you have under the sun. We've got security systems, many of you in your homes. You've got them in your cars. You've got them at the places of employment. We guard and we protect virtually all kinds of things in our lives. This week, just out of curiosity, I decided to pull up the security thing that I have on my phone that's password protected, that it stores all of my passwords and things that I keep track of to guard and to protect my identity. Guess how many records there are? 288 pieces of information. Just so that I can buy a pair of socks on a website. You know, you've got to 
you know, what color was the carpet, you know, when you were four years old? What's your mom's, you know, second cousin's, whatever? I mean, we go with to great lengths and extends to guard and to watch over things. And I don't want to be oversimplistic this morning, but the reality is that we guard and that we watch over things of highest value. You won't see any armed guards at a city dump. You're not going to see any armed guards, you know, at, at Ollie's this afternoon. But I definitely, you know, if you go to an inner city and you go to one of those jewelry stores, there's armed guards there. They go to great security measures to protect things of, of great value. And the biblical principle here is, shows you something about God's view of our hearts, that he knows that the heart is of great value to him. And to the one who possesses it. It's key to your integrity. It's so connected to your vitality and the overall spiritual health. And, and many times this is a challenge for us men. And I want to challenge uh, especially the men that are here today. Because if I were to say to you, you know, backstage we've got this box that has something of great value. And I need some guys, some fellas to guard and to protect it. Some of you guys are like pounding your chest. You're like, that's me. We like to guard. We like to protect. That's why we have guns. That's why we've got a baseball bat or a golf club in your bedroom. Because God forbid somebody breaks in. You will protect that which is important to you. Your wife, your children, and your dog. Let the cat go. But, but, yeah, okay. But for us men, we're like right there. Guard, protect. That's, you know. But what if I were to say, like I've said week after week, that the true man's, the measure of a man's strength is not in his ability to be strong, but it's in his ability to surrender. That maybe guarding the heart is not so much about, about strength, but it's about surrender. Well, that's a little different. But nevertheless, the heart is of great value to God, and we'll come back to that in a second. But we read on, it says, for it is the wellspring of life. And we know that springs are the source and origin that, that rivers and waters flow from, right? And the writer of Proverbs is saying that it's from deep within the reservoirs of the human heart. That is the source that, and, and origin that rivers flow. Things like your attitudes, your words, your emotions, your decision making. The responses that we have when situations and circumstances come. It says the reality is that those things flow from the reservoirs or the springs of the human heart. And it's interesting how so many times when, when we hit tough times or situations or circumstances happen. That immediately, maybe you've been there before. If not, it's just a moment of confession. You ever have something happen and all of a sudden the thing that comes out of you kind of catches you by surprise? Somebody pulls you off the side of the road. Somebody, you know, speaks negatively about you at work. And all of a sudden, the gut reaction, the gut thought, the word that comes forward or whatever it is at first, it kind of takes you by surprise. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize that was in there. Because it's not until the, the times in our lives when we're squeezed that many times what's in us begins flowing out. And God allows all of us to go through those seasons of life, those experiences, because he's not so much concerned about what we're doing, but he wants, he's really concerned about who we're, we're becoming. 
And it's in those moments that many times the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. Perhaps it's the words that you spoke, the thought that you had. Or maybe it's the fear that emerged, the what if. And you didn't realize that it was that rooted within you. The anger, the resentment, the bitterness. And I would submit to you this morning that we need to guard our heart with an abundance of caution. This week, you know, we're watching the news and so forth, and I was thinking about the contamination process and things that happen. So we see in our news this week, the Niagara Bottling Company, based in Ontario, that they have this voluntary recall with water that's bottled, produced in, from the Pennsylvania manufacturing facilities between this one-week span of time. It's interesting in the news, they say it's voluntary, but on the other hand, they say the FDA is monitoring it, and so it's like, what is it? But, but they recall up to possibly 3% of this water because of the potential contamination. Virtually none of the water was contaminated. But they go through these incredible measures, and they treat water from our springs with, with an abundance of caution. And I'm wondering, as I'm thinking about this this week, What if we protected our hearts, the things that flow and get in us, that that flow out of us? What if we really did treat those things with the same level of the abundance of caution that we simply treat water that flows from the springs in our area? I mean, we'll go to great, great lengths to protect those things, and yet it just seems like we openly allow things to contaminate our hearts and are completely oblivious at times to the reality that those things flow out of us. And the Lord will allow things to happen. He will allow things many times expose those areas of our lives through circumstances and situations to reveal those things because he's deeply concerned about what's in our hearts. And the heart has great potential because how many of you, you've met somebody before that it seems on the outward that they have every you know, reason or excuse to have poison within them, to have hatred or bitterness and resentment that's flowing from the springs of the human heart. And then you look at them and they're still, they're still smiling, they're still leaning into God, they're still trusting him through difficult times, they still have hope, they're still, you know, they, see, they still have purpose, they see... The the joy of the Lord really is our strength during those times. And so it's like outwardly, you'd kind of tag them as the person that they've got every reason for the things to come out of them to be contaminated. And yet you see the complete and total opposite because it's, it's a sign that the heart is healthy. Not that we're ignorant of the things that happen in our lives, but the reality is that God is working in their lives and what flows out of them are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, even in a situation where they have no control. Even in a situation where maybe that's a person that doesn't feel love and yet they're still able to, to express love because of the potential of the human heart. Luke chapter 6, 45 says that a good man brings the good things out of the good stored in his heart. An evil man brings the evil things that are stored up from his heart. For out of the mouth, the heart speaks what it is full of. 
But you've got to deal with, with the root issues of, of what's going on in your heart. And there are many people that they don't take time to address hurt, wounds, and those things can, can get rooted in their heart. As I was praying about this, this message off and on this week, I really felt like the Lord just kind of gave me a whole different season of messages that we'll go into at some point this year, talking about the matters of the heart. That there's a difference between residue issues and root issues. Residue, things like bitterness, things like unforgiveness, hurt. Areas that have, that have perhaps it's been under the surface for years. But that you haven't fully surrendered those to God. And how many of you at times you get a cup out of the dishwasher and you know there's still some coffee residue that's in the bottom? And you put orange juice in it or something like that and you go to drink it and it's not, it doesn't taste like it's poison, but there's just this, this residue, this, it kind of taints what, what's within and that there are people that walk through life like that. That they've got these residue issues within their heart. And, and wherever they go, they're kind of tainting people's perspective on situations and circumstances. It would be like taking off your glasses. And how many of you have cleaned your glasses before? And you kind of miss a spot and you put them on. And your, your perception is clouded regardless of whatever you're looking at. Simply because of a little bit of, of residue that hasn't been removed. Same thing is true in our lives. And yet... There are people that have root issues as well. That it's a cycle of sin. It's a pattern of sin that is now not just a residue within you, but it's actually taken root in the cup of your life or in the bowl of the human heart. And if left unconfessed for a period of time, what happens is the enemy, I believe, wants nothing more than for you and I to not address root sin issues that are going on in our lives. Because if he can allow those things to be rooted, he can. it's more than just residue that taints. It, it, it's actually poison. And what happens over time is that, that you begin to justify that lifestyle. You begin to justify that cycle of sin. You say, well, it still seems like God's blessing me. It still seems like everything's you know, going well. Life isn't like totally falling apart. And so in your mind, you begin to have all of these thoughts. And you, at times, will actually justify root issues in your life. And it will poison you from, from the inside out. Ryan said last week, he says that the enemy uses fear in a lot of nations, but here he uses deception. And if he can get you and I deceived about those root issues, that, that they're not a thing that we really need to focus on, then eventually it will destroy you from the inside out. Proverbs 21.2 says, people may be right in their own eyes. But the Lord examines the heart. Think what you want about your life, your issues, your stuff. But God examines our hearts and how we can be so deceived. I was thinking this week, another high-profile pastor is exposed for an affair. How does that happen? Residue becomes roots becomes justified. God's still using me. God's still blessing me. It's still working out. And then God exposes it because he's mostly concerned about dealing with roots. How can our president stand up and lead a congregation in amazing grace? 
I was blind, but now I see. Turn the corner and applaud the court's decision to go completely and contrary to God's word. Redefining something that God ordained and he established. You're either blind, but now you see, or you're living not according to God's word. How does that happen? How can people watch that and say, well, it seems like it's just okay? We can be deceived. And the Lord wants to remove residue. He wants to remove roots because what's within is what flows out. Solomon's basically saying, guard your heart because your heart and your life is in a combat zone. Well, how do we do it? Surrender out is the first thing I want to share with you. Surrender out. Verse 24 through 27. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought, so he's talking about the mind, to your paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. And so we hear that and it's basically saying govern your speech Guard the things that you watch and guide your steps. It says these are like the three pipes or three of the pipes that that which is in flows out of. So you've got to guard and you've got to protect that. And you can read that and say, well, that's easy. I'll just stop talking perversely. I won't look at things that are inappropriate. I'll stop going to places that are evil. And I would agree with those statements, but I would disagree at the same time. Because the source and the strength of those statements is what? Me. I'll stop doing this. I'll stop going there. I'll do this on my own strength. And I want to say again, the true measure of a man's strength is in his ability to walk in surrender. And it's not about trying harder, but giving more and more control and surrender over to God. It's not stopping X, Y, and Z, but it's surrendering more of X, Y, and Z. Parents, this is so important with your kids. It's more than just stop, obey, stop, obey. But it's there are things that you need to surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to empower them to do the right thing. Because the Pharisees were really good with stopping. They were really good with with all of these. And Jesus is in essence saying, you don't know anything about me. That you've got to stop trying and surrendering more to keep your heart right. Proverbs 23, 9. Keep, or listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. How do you do that? It's walking and surrender more and more to God each and every day of our lives. That there are things that have a direct cause and effect with what we set our heart on. It's true personally, and it's true nationally. That I really believe that one of the major challenges that we face in America is that people have turned their back on God. They've rejected the truth of God's word. It's not up for redefinition. It's not subjective. It's not what's your thoughts. No, God has established things clearly in his word. And the deep-rooted pride and arrogance in our nation over the last 10 years has caused things to happen that would be unimaginable years ago. 
And the more that we trust and rely on man's wisdom, the heart and the course of our nation is going to continually go off course. You should not be surprised at what happened this week. No one should be surprised. And yet we're not called to fight a spiritual battle by earthly means and measures. What's the solution? See, God's not dethroned. It's not like he's up there shaking. Whoa, didn't see that one coming. They better fight for me. They better fight to protect me. As if the Bible promises, you know, religious liberty and freedom. The only thing that's going to happen, the only change we're going to see is when the church prays fervently and more and more people surrender their lives to Jesus. That's the only hope. It's the only hope. That we're the solution. That we are part of, that the gospel is the solution. Nationally, as more and more people surrender their lives to Jesus, things have the potential to change. But if heart issues aren't addressed, don't be surprised when the decisions, when the the stances, and when all of the things that take place are are contrary to God's word, they seem like they're poison, they seem like they're going to affect our nation in a negative way, it's a sign and a symptom that heart issues like pride have not been addressed. And God will allow us to go through seasons. He will allow us to go through situations and circumstances so that those can be addressed. And the part of the church praying is that we don't want to have those. We don't want to experience those times. We want to see God's favor and his blessing rest on our nation. So we've got to surrender more and more and more and more to him. For we are not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God to salvation nationally but then personally, surrendering more and more of our lives to Jesus. Because if you go to enough counselors, and there's, there's so many wonderful Christian counselors that are out there. But there are many that will just simply address behavior modification. Well, you need to change this, you need to change that, you need to change this, you need to change that, you need to act differently. Your parents are saying, you've got to respect me. Your employer is saying, just get the job done. God's not looking as much about right behavior as he's looking for right heart conditions. And then the behavior will naturally change. Jesus understood this, Matthew chapter 8. He says, if you have a lust problem, it's a heart problem. If you lust in your heart after someone... In your heart, you've already committed adultery, he said. Matthew 6, 21. It's not that you have debt problems or you have heart problems. It's not money problems. It's heart problems because where your treasure is, there your heart is. He says you don't have an anger problem or a speech problem or a language problem or an attitude adjustment. You've got a heart adjustment in Luke 6, 45 that says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because it's impossible for you to have a pure heart or a pure life and have a negative poisoned heart. And your heart will be an ever-flowing source of either fresh water, sewage, or anything in between. So you and I are called to guard and to protect our heart. That repentance to God is more than God, I'm sorry for This, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. It's God, I'm sorry that I've tried to control my heart without you. 
Lord, I, I, I'm sorry that I haven't surrendered more and more and more of my heart to you. And he'll honor that. He'll empower and equip you to do the right thing. We understand this with kids. I mean, if one of your kids were to slap or grandkids or punch one of the other grandkids and you were to say, hey, you know what? You're not supposed to hit. You're going to walk and turn the corner and you're going to hear. You're not supposed to do that. But if you were to look the child in the eye and say, it's, it's more than just the hitting. What was the motivation of your heart? Why did it lead you to that place of action? Whether appropriate or inappropriate, well, they say, well, she was mean to me. She lied about me. They don't love me. Well, now you're getting somewhere because you can deal with those issues. But if you're walking around and you're constantly just addressing the trivial things, you'll never really get to the root issue of surrender. And at the end of the day, Jesus is so much more concerned about us just being good people. He's concerned about us surrendering everything to him. It's what worship is, surrendering everything and striving to live a holy life. So you've got to surrender more and more and more and more. And then finally, you've got to fill up. How do we do that? Well, the practical conclusion, Psalm 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart. God, I'm taking your word and I'm going to hide it within. More than just I'll hear it on Sunday, more than just I'll pick up the Bible every once in a while. God, I want to take as much of your word as I can grasp, as much of your word as I can get a hold of, and I need to hide it. I need to stuff it. I need to fill it in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So that I might not sin against you. That it's more than just surrendering out, but it's filling up. God's word is powerful. And the more and more you study it and you read it, like I said last week or two weeks ago, that it's like a mirror. And that it really does expose the things that are in our heart. Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you as the worship team comes this morning. Because it's in those times of our lives that we're squeezed. It's in those times of our lives when the pressure sets in that what's inside begins to flow. More than just those times. I mean, you go to job, you go to work Tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, everybody's hungover, tired, frustrated about the week. Your heart should be different. What's flowing from within you should be different. That's why you're the light of the world. That you and I, as we hide God's word in our heart, will represent him in every way. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, your word says that the grass withers, that the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. But Jesus, there's not one person in this room 
that when they slip from this life into eternity, is going to stand before you and say, I just spent too much time reading God's word. But the two things that will last forever is the word of God and people. And so, Lord, I pray that we would invest our lives well. We would spend our time, spend our energy in your word. And we would share that with others. Would you close your eyes for a minute this morning? Maybe as I talked about the, the root or residue issues. Not necessarily getting real specific this morning because there's going to be a time that we're going to be able to do that and the Lord's just going to move in very, very unique ways and special ways. But maybe this morning you'd say, Zach, you know what? As I was thinking about this, there is residue or root issues going on. It affects my relationships. It affects kind of the response that I have situations and circumstances and I just want to surrender that to God this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You're not raising that necessarily to me as much as you're just saying, God, you know. It's not like I have the FDA watching over my life. God's watching over and he sees and he knows all things. So none of that catches him by surprise. And so Lord, we come to you today and we just acknowledge, Lord, we need your help. Lord, we need your spirit in our lives. You see the residue, Lord, you see the roots. And Jesus, you said in your word that you came so that we could have life. You said that who you set free is free indeed. That Jesus, you didn't die on a cross so that we could remain stuck or in bondage to sin in our lives. But Jesus, you died so that we could be free from those things. And I pray even now, as people are raising their hands, that Lord, you would deal with those issues. Lord, you'd remove that residue. You would begin to pull the roots out of those areas of our lives. And that, Lord, our spouses, our children, our employers would see the difference because of a heart that is changed and transformed. Jesus, we need you to do this in our lives. Lord, we need to be free in every area so that we can offer people complete and total freedom. So, Lord, we need you more and more. It's not in us fighting and trying harder, but it's in us saying, God, we need you each and every day, each and every moment of our lives to guard and to protect our hearts. And I believe that as we acknowledge that, he'll do that in Jesus' name this morning. The worship team is going to play just one more song this morning. But maybe if you want to respond, you could feel free to come to the front. We'll have someone that will just slide kind of behind you or, or to the side and we'll pray for you. But as we respond and worship during this last song, I want to encourage some of you to do that and then we'll pray uh, just a closing prayer in a minute. Jesus, we just thank you for what you're doing. You can come at any point during this song. Giving you my heart All that is within
This water reflects a man's face, so our heart reflects who we really are. Lord, I pray for each person that's here today. Lord, I pray as they surrender more and more, as they get out of bed tomorrow morning and the first thought that comes to mind is, Jesus, what do I need to surrender today? Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts continually more and more and more that, Lord, we'd be able to stand up and say that we have a pure heart. Lord, that people would recognize by our faces, that they would recognize by the unconditional love that just radiates around us. More than just us loving people in sin, but loving them enough to speak the truth in love so that they can come out of sin, so that they can have a relationship with Jesus. Lord, we need you more and more. Lord, I pray for each person that's here today. As they leave this place, I pray you would empower them by your spirit, that your light and your life would shine from their faces. Lord, any issues of the heart, Lord, I pray that you would reveal those things to us according to your perfect time and plan, that you would speak to us. Lord, we need you more and more. I just thank you for each person that's here today. Just pray for the picnic as well. Just give us a wonderful time of fellowship together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you for being here this morning. As you leave today, there'll be some ushers at the back that are going to have directions so that you can join us for the picnic. I can't guarantee that it's not raining, but hopefully it isn't. We'll just have a great opportunity. You don't have to rush over necessarily there, but feel free to make your way over to Circleville Park. We'll have a great time this afternoon together. God bless you for being here this morning. So do I.